0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking out this show brought to you by the Block Party Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment before we start with our show to address some things that have been happening in our nation, in our world, that we have been enlightened to and have learned quite a bit about.
1: We recognize our privilege and our platform, and we stand to fight directly against racism.
0: To help in the fight against racism and racial inequality, we at the Block Party Podcast Network have made a donation to the Equal Justice Initiative. The Equal Justice Initiative is a nonprofit that is committed to challenging racial and economic injustice in the United States, as well as ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment. Besides education and research they provide legal representation to those who have been illegally arrested and unfairly sentenced as well as providing reentry assistance to those who had been previously incarcerated our promise as a network to keep the conversation going we know there is always more we can learn and understand and we commit ourselves to doing just that black lives matter we see you we hear you and we stand with you And we hope that each of you who are listening today would join us in the fight by donating to a charity of your choice that you found and learned to appreciate over this time. And so without further ado, we hope that you enjoy this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block you are about to listen to. Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm your host DM Mitch, and for this episode today, Neil and me will be joined by Kathleen Mercury. And we're going to be talking about the wizard class, how to interact with a player who is playing a wizard, how to run wizards as NPCs, and just the lore behind wizards as well. I'll be honest, we dive a little bit into the sorcerer aspect of it as well and talk about the difference between the two of those. Uh, But it's a fun and fantastic conversation all around. I'm excited for you to hear it. But before we jump in, I've got one five star review to give a shout out to, and this one comes from Sly Thy Tobes. And it's entitled, Welp, Back to the Beginning. That's right, I've just caught up on all of the episodes, and what a phenomenally brilliant resource this has been. I've been constantly drawing upon this well of wisdom, and I'm pretty sure my players have reaped the rewards unaware. I've greatly enjoyed this show, and I recommend it as often as I can in real life and Twitter. And now, I'm going to start over. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sly Thy Tobes. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm so glad that you love the show so much that you are passionate to go through again. I mean, I've done this with other things that I love, like The Office, uh, but that's a big undertaking. and. I- it really means a lot that you love our show that much, that you're willing to to take that journey again. Because this is like, I mean, going through the Dungeon Master's block, that's no like walk around the block. That's like a Misty Mountains journey, if anything. So uh, thanks so much for that review. And with that, without any further ado, let's head to the meat. I'm starving.
1: We ain't had nothing but maggoty
0: bread for three stinking days.
1: Why can't we have some meats?
0: Looks like meat
1: back on the menu,
0: boys. For the meat this week, I'm excited to introduce to you a new guest on the Dungeon Masters block, Kathleen Mercury, teacher, game designer, and
2: podcaster. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So excited to have you here
1: yes and as always we're going to jump straight into some interview questions and one of my favorite questions to ask is can you tell us a little bit about yourself long walks on the beach um anything that you think our listeners would find interesting
2: well um i'm a middle school gifted teacher which means when i run games for my rpg groups it's like working with adult versions of my students so (laughs) it's always a lot of fun to uh Both try to corral and also allow them (laughs) to, uh, you know... create really amazing experiences Um, I've been teaching game design for I think 13, 14 years Mm. and um, of note if anybody wants to teach game design or interested all of my resources are available for free at kathleenmercury.com so semester plus 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 of game design teaching resources have at it Um, I'm a co-host on a number of podcasts, games in schools and libraries, on board games I've been a host on board game broads Our Turn, a whole bunch of others Um, I like to be a guest on podcasts because I like to talk (laughs) (laughs) and and um, and I'm also game designer um, with Justice Week, my second game, having signed it. So fantastic! It's, yeah, it's been pretty great.
0: That's great. Oh man, you love to talk. I love to talk, Neil. It's going to be hard for you to get a word in. That's <laughs> it sounds like that's, this episode. That's all right. I'm
1: ready to just go along for the ride. <laughs>
0: nice. Um, nice. So definitely, listeners, check out all of that. All of that stuff. We will, as we always do. I uh, have links in our show notes to Kathleen's website, to her podcast. Go check them out. Uh, mm-hmm. Have a fantastic time doing that. Kathleen, now for you to have a fantastic time, we have a surprise question for you. Cool. This surprise question comes from one of our Patreon dragons, Jared Arteche. And Jared asks, if you, Kathleen, were
1: a dragon, what would you hoard?
2: If I was a dragon, what would I hoard?
1: My joy, with this, my joy with this question is, like, are you a dragon? But where did you put yourself? Like, are you a modern-day <laughs> dragon? Because you mm. have fun. Well, yeah. it's
2: funny because the game that I'm working on with Colossal is called Dragnarok. And um, it started off as Pigeons. So that's a whole other story. But basically, it's kind of like Daenerys the game in that you are a dragon. And you are fed up with these so-called heroes trampling your rights mm. and your autonomy. And... Um, and just you know, coming into your horde, you know, is taking your gold from you, and because you're a dragon, you're not so agreeable. So you basically go to burn them and their village down. So it's just a you know, using four different dexterity actions to like knock over meeples and to shoot cubes into buildings with holes in them and stuff like that. I always call it Flick 'em Up meets Gloomhaven. Um, and Isaac Childress didn't think that was as funny as I did, but he's cool. Hi, <laughs> <Isaac>. <laughs> so anyway, so I guess if I had to pick something based on that. I would hoard, I mean, if I say the remnants of the patriarchy, there's going to be some people that are going to get real fussy with me really quickly. <laughs> so um, really just kidding. I would say the thing, okay, since we're in quarantine, the thing that I have discovered when it comes to food, I'm going to pick something really ridiculous, but if you haven't tried it, dark or chocolate pretzel Pop-Tarts are the most amazing things ever so i'll say screwball peanut butter whiskey and (laughs) chocolate pretzel pop tarts and that's gonna be part of my gaming table for a long time either alone or when uh, bless we're able to play with other people so it's probably a terrible answer
1: no but quite honestly
2: those are two things i value highly right now
1: (laughs) that is that is a wonderful answer first Thank you, Kathleen, for answering. And of course, thank you, Jared, for supporting us as you do and giving us that question. But I also love the idea of changing dragons up. Like, why does every dragon want gold? Why doesn't certain dragons want like this random thing that that's their hoard? And I just imagine having a party go in and be like, what is this? <laughs> there are so many bottles and boxes of Pop-Tarts in here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the dragon, like, I'm just laying there, like, rubbing my tummy, like, (laughs) dude, like, it's cool, don't ruin my buzz, man.
1: You can have one, and then please, please go, but... Right, right. No
2: problem heating them up, either. (laughs) Exactly. No problem.
1: So, there is no logical segue, so off we go to talk about wizards. Uh, Yeah. As as you've read, as you've heard from our intro, we're going to be talking all about the wizard class. And so one of the first questions that we have in this section is the making of a wizard. I know beforehand we talked a little bit about the differences between a wizard and a sorcerer. So one of the questions Mm -hmm. to throw out and discuss is what makes a wizard?
2: Well, one thing that I have to say is, you know, I have played D&D and I've played a number of different iterations put on by um, the guys in my gaming group. Um, because of my, what we call my rich, full life and busy travel schedule, you know, before current situation, um, you know, going to lots of cons and stuff like that made it really hard for me to be a constant character in a lot mm. of games. So a lot of times I would create characters that were relatively short lived just to kill them off. <laughs> and the one thing that I found, the nice thing about that was I was able to create a lot of different characters. And the, one of the reasons why I liked being a sorcerer was, combat doesn't really interest me that much when it comes to D&D. Like I roll, I miss, I roll, I hit, you know, like for me as a person, they kind of feel the same. Um, And then especially when you're fighting the big monster at the end, you know, and it just like constantly just sort of like chipping away like little hunks of ice off this big, you know, monster. I mean, that's great. And I think there's lots of really fun, creative ways that you can do that. But I tend to get bored with that. And so what I like about the wizard or sorcerer what why i picked the sorcerer was i just like the ability that when we we're role playing that i could do really cool things that weren't necessarily i hit you with something you know having that ability to do that and it's funny because even before this podcast i was sort of refreshing myself on the differences between a wizard and a sorcerer <laughs> because i couldn't necessarily tell you and what was interesting though in talking about wizard versus sorcerers, like you know from my understanding Wizards can learn more with sorcerers. It's more innate. And mm-hmm. so the thing, especially since I'm running a Harry Potter game, um, it's really a lot tilts way more heavily that they're more sorcerers than they are wizards, which I found interesting.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's interesting because in the way that specifically the way that I read the fifth edition wizard, it almost gives this sense that wizards can be anyone as mm-hmm. long as they study, which is certainly you go back in older editions and there were more restrictions. it was like to become a wizard you needed a specific level of intelligence mm-hmm. uh, and then you could become a wizard. then you could study um, magic and learn magic whereas sorcerers uh, seemingly would be more rare because uh, they yeah like you said it's it's something from within them it's some power. Uh, boiling inside, and yeah, Harry Potter, um, is kind of this weird mix because they do learn, but there's also this like they, there's muggles and there's wizards, and every now and then there's a squib. Uh, but like you need this, this magic that's inside of you, right? And part of me kind of likes that, honestly, for my own homebrew world. I, I honestly have taken that, uh, because there's nothing to say that you cannot do that with the wizard class and so in my homebrew world in order to become a wizard yes you need to study but also you need to be able to have uh the ability to read the arcane script or the the language of magic and so not everyone has that ability and for me that allowed me to go yeah wizards are still more common than sorcerers by far in my world but still not everyone can be a wizard you need to have this this gift this connection with the arcane Mm -hmm. um but i mean that that's up to you as a dm right as a game master like do you want anybody to be able to pick up a spell book and to be able to give in enough time and energy Mm -hmm. learn magic or is it something that you know do they need midichlorian count to be uh fairly (laughs) high what what is it that gets (laughs) blackout
2: Yeah, I was going to say, oh, we're, we're, we're throwing Molotov cocktails now, man. Um, do you know what you're saying? Um, well, and I think especially in the Harry Potter world, they're really, they really, they, they learn spells, but it's, they don't really delve that deeply into, you know, what learning means. It's like, basically, do you say it just right? Do you really get like the swish and flick just right? Mm-hmm. Um, have either of you read the book series, The Magicians, or seen the TV show?
0: I've seen the TV show, yes.
2: The book's really good. It's like a grown-up version of Harry Potter. Um with a, you know significantly uh, more like relationship complexity, mm-hmm. but even as far as how they do the spells and how they treat it, it is a lot more in terms of wizardry in terms of learning spells mm-hmm. whereas, you know, in Harry Potter it's like if you say blah 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 and wave your magic stick in a way, this thing is going to happen. I mean, there's very few times where you know, people fail at spells, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's basically waiting for them to be able to do it. And so I think having more of a focus on the ability to make it like a really learned skill is something that's super interesting to me that could be more developed. And the reason why I'm saying this is I run my my game on Sunday nights and in thinking about what I want to run on Sunday night, now I'm thinking a lot more (laughs) about, you know, how can I make an interesting you know session where really learning spells and understanding innately what creates a spell like is there a way to actually make that part of what we do hmm. See, so now you've got me thinking so
1: one of the yeah oh. one of the interesting things from everything that's already been said is i almost see the sorcerer is using like an internal battery to access mm-hmm. their spells whereas a wizard is using more of this external source and then your world is dependent on how much i guess energy you have out there like the world of harry potter Mm -hmm. i I would say is just prevailed with this magic energy that everyone can kind of tap into whereas if you have a lower Mm -hmm. magic scale You have the old wizened wizard in their tower because they need to spend all of this additional extra time to figure out how to tap into that resource to be able to use these spells. Again, whereas Harry Potter, it's like, well, as long as you can say this and that and wave your stick around, you're good. Now, some Mm -hmm. of the, the more complex magic, either you need to innately have that or you need to spend that extra time.
2: Well, so and my game is based off Lady Blackbird, which if people aren't familiar with it, it's, it's great. It's a low prep, all in one, free, like 17 page PDF, but 11, 12 pages of that are just character sheets. I mean, the rules are just, you know, maybe a total page or two at the most of like all content for the game itself, both in terms of the world and how to play. And I really like it because it has in it like basically character abilities are narrative. And the more, you know, ways that you incorporate these sort of like narrative skills you have means the more dice you can roll. But I had to come up with a secondary uh, mechanic for the like how they could learn spells. And so you basically get dice based on um, one just being alive. The number of years that you're at a, hog- a Hogwarts a student and then the for each year like um basically there's different spells you can unlock more or less and once you learn a spell it becomes much easier for you to roll it so the mm. first time like a year one um rolls for a spell to try to do it they have five dice and three have to be successes just your one two three four five six you know success failure and but once they Um, succeed in that then they automatically have like a strength of five in terms of rolling for that spell again which means they won't necessarily always be able to roll that spell if it's got like a difficulty of three but um, it's certainly a lot easier once you've played it once. so i have a little bit of that sort of learning aspect so usually at the beginning of the session i'll let them you know pick a spell and you know give them a shot to try to just learn it add it to what they can do but they can also try to do those during the game itself and so that's gives them another type of decision point in the game as far as do i want to use some of my narrative abilities to try to do something or do i want to cast a spell and trying to do that
0: And i think this is a great point to transition into into talking about yeah how do we as dms as gms Interact with players who choose to be PCs whether you are running a game in in like the Harry Potter universe where all of your PCs are wizards Mm -hmm. or Where you are running a game where you have a PC as a wizard uh, or just how you roleplay a wizard uh, as an NPC uh, When you are DMing Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that like as said like there is this one of the strongest things is the separation Uh, between the sorcerer class and the wizard class of I I think when I think sorcerer I think of uh, a sorcerer's magic is more of a reaction to the world around him or her uh, or maybe a sorcerer you can boil it down to a sense of uh, pathos like maybe even like their magic is emotionally driven or you know something within whereas the wizard is more studious learning, like we're saying, more logos, uh, more. The magic is preparing for the world around them, preparing certain spells for what is to come. So, as uh, game masters, as DMs, how do you, uh, how do you interact more with your players to bring out this? Uh, we talked a bit about it a little bit, especially you, Kathleen, a little bit already. But how do you, how do you bring out this? Studious aspect of the wizard. How do you uh, bring that out for your PCs? How do you bring that out in your NPCs to give across uh, this aspect of the wizard class?
2: Well, one thing that's sort of interesting, you know, especially when it comes to sort of mechanically what I want to have happen in this game, because I mean, I'm pretty strongly rooted, you know, coming at this from a board game, tabletop game, tabletop game design perspective, you know, so. I you know, looking at how much ability do I want players to have to magically solve problems? You know, if I have this whole complex thing and somebody can just be like, okay, boop, you know, then for me as a GM, it's like, I'm, you know, just like, oh, 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 okay, I wasn't (laughs) expecting that, you know, because magic, you know, you can do all kinds of things and just like boosh, whip, whip things away. And so that's one of the nice things about how, what I did with mine is like there's levels. They just can't access certain spells until they get to those types of levels. And so everything they have are like the pretty basic ones, like lights on, lights off, unlock a door, stop a spell, you know, because that way for me as a DM, it's a lot easier to sort of control out the narrative that I'm playing, you know. And I think when it comes to the nice thing about you know, board games or RPGs or whatever else is they collapse the rules of science and society. You know, you, it's really, really hard to make a perfect simulation in a board game. It's really hard to make a perfect simulation in a role play game. So that's okay. And so how we lean into that in terms of how do we use magic to solve problems, both for players, you know, as, you know, as players as NPCs and as DMS, but the problem can be sometimes is depending on how, Loosely you define this magic, you could really empower players to totally shift your game into a place that you were not expecting it to go. And then as a DM, you're thinking, okay, here's what I have planned. Here's what's happening. And how do I resolve the two on the fly?
1: It's so good. You broke you broke my brain. Also, I looked up Lady Blackbird, and that also broke my brain. Um, so I think <laughs> one of the, the big things is is like we're all kind of alluding to. It. I don't necessarily know that I have an answer. So all all I have is thoughts, um, which is fine because I don't. Mm-hmm. Have, I only have one wizard in my game. So, uh, but luckily for <laughs> me, that player part of the background of that wizard is to seek out knowledge and that they find knowledge as power. Mm-hmm. And so then that's constantly something that I can put in front of them as a way to have them interact and continue to be wizardly. The other thing that I just thought of, based off of every weird element of like, I'm level five. I can shoot a fireball. There's prior to moments ago, I could not do that. And so there's a weird there's a weird element of that that I would also like
2: Mm -hmm. almost
1: want to incorporate earlier on with that player of like okay so what do you think about having as your like when you reach fifth level you unlock these third level spells or however that system works like what are you thinking about ahead of time like planning out a little bit more of that wizard and that interaction of like okay so then as Mm -hmm. you're going along you find this bit of material that you know now like maybe you should test these things and so on the downtime or when they're sleeping and resting Mm that they invest more effort into unlocking these spells and again instead of like world of warcraft oh i almost died i leveled up i have full health i have new abilities Yay! yeah
2: Yeah.
0: that's that's great like to think of like as you're on the road like in a carriage the wizard would be like diving into a, a new spell and mechanically right like they're not able to cast it yet but that idea of like yeah this like even even to role play like i mean wizard is my favorite class to be able to role play a wizard and and do that myself and to be looking up a level nine spell and just have my level one wizard be like oh my gosh this is so <laughs> intricate like i don't know if i'll ever reach this point um but like to have them studying spells ahead of time before they reach that mechanical breakthrough level uh adds that cool role playing aspect of yeah like you said neil it's not just like all right you're a new level here's your spells cool you've got them now Mm -hmm. no i've been working on this man i can finally cast this spell um right that's fantastic
2: well and in the in the most recent game that i was playing i uh picked tiefling as my character um as my class because i thought um my race because I thought that'd be cool, right? Be a demon, do all kinds of stuff. And um, and I was like, you know, Sion of Bane and all this stuff. And then um, in our very first game, there were some uh, soldiers there who are like knights of Bane. I'm like, perfect and i'm trying to like command them to do stuff and again not knowing a whole lot about um like i'm not deep by any means on dnd and they're like well it doesn't really work that way i'm like no wait a minute like the blood of the dude that they follow like flows in my veins so i think i should be able to do some type of command or something like that they're like oh, no it doesn't really work that way and i was like ah so then i was basically just a barbarian which I thought would be cool to be like demon barbarian and so then after we were done I was like for the first session I was like can I please change my character I know that's like whoa what are you saying you know what I mean but they're like fine I said I want to do cool things you know being a barbarian I'd done it before you know it it is fun to kind of smash stuff and like talk about how you're going to do that but I wanted a different experience and that's when they had me become a sorcerer and I'm like I can do all this cool stuff now because like that's the thing is like in a fight, like rolling and hitting, rolling and hitting, rolling and hitting isn't super interesting. But if I can try to like create, because that's the thing that I liked about being a sorcerer is you can create spells that changes the world, not necessarily has a direct impact on the conflict. I mean, it can, but the fact that you can have an impact that's greater than just hitting somebody with a stick. To me, that was immensely more interesting, immensely more entertaining. And I was way more engaged as a player. When I felt like I was going to be able to have an impact on the game, not because of you know this you know my range and you know my you know my my hit strength my armor class and all that other stuff, but because of like what I could actually do as and so for me that's why I really dug it.
0: I, yeah, I'd like to and I'd like to circle back to it one point. Um... Kathleen you were talking about like oh man now now my brain is working about the current game that I'm I'm working on thinking like how do I how do I bring out the element of like learning spells and I mean to me especially when we're talking about wizards like that's something I think that I would want to when running a game with a PC or PCs like who are playing wizards like like really encourage um not not to say that I wouldn't allow this uh, with a sorcerer or a warlock or whatever the magic casting class is, but I would. I think I would even go out on a limb more when a when somebody who's playing a wizard uh, is like casts a um, fireball or a uh, a spell that that does one thing, but they're like, man, it'd be just so cool if like instead of like it being that fireball, you know, if it was like I would love to have been able to make it a a giant ball of electricity or a giant like, you know, when Sauron and Lord of the Rings just explodes and sound and everybody falls down like that would be something that would be cool if it was something like that. And I think as the DM, I would say, cool. So uh, why doesn't your wizard start start messing around, start. Start dabbling with with different materials. Start um, reading, like, and maybe like changing the 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 spell components and the spell words and the and the way you move your hand. And I mean, I would probably go. And this is a fantastic time to bring in some arcane failure if things go awry. Yeah, have some, some fun there. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to to say and to encourage and be like, yeah, you know what, your wizard would be interested in studying different ways to use their magic. So let's do that. Let's role play through that. Let's do it, man. Let's, let's see what happens. Do it.
2: Well, see. And this is, it's so funny while you're saying that I was like, I was right there with you because, you know, spells in the Harry Potter world are basically all spells of convenience, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. You can, you can turn on the lights. <laughs> oh, you can turn off the lights. Oh, you can unlock a door. Now. Oh, you know, it's, just, wizards. <laughs> it's amazing how the spells they learn just become so incredibly important right there yep. at that moment. Um, and so in our previous session that we did, and this is one of my favorite adventures that I've written for um, this one, is basically in the Harry Potter world, Voldemort wants the Elder Wand. And if this is spoilers, mm-hmm. but it's been out for a while, so sorry. Um, <laughs> he wants this all-powerful wand. And when he manages to get it, you never see or hear from his original wand. So I created this adventure where it's, where is Voldemort's wand. There are people offering a reward for it. And one thing that I had learned when I was reading about, you know, just on Potter More about the Harry Potter world was that uh, it was a yew tree wand. And one of the little things in there was um, upon the death of wizards who have a yew wand, the, the wand itself will grow around the grave of its owner to protect it. So I ended up having them go into the Forbidden Forest. They find this yew tree, and then they realize that not only have they found his wand, but they've actually found the grave of Voldemort, which adds this whole other element. And That's so cool. the part that I push them to and the part that happens is they re- someone realizes that they need to basically grab the tree, try to cast a spell. Usually it's Lumos, right? So it lights up the whole sky like an atom bomb going off. But then I have the wand. If you're not familiar with Harry Potter, forgive me, and I'm almost done. Um, <laughs> shift its allegiance to the person who cast the spell. Hmm. So wh- whomever did that suddenly has... Like probably one of the most powerful wands in the whole pantheon of Harry Potter now has its allegiance to them. And then it's always led itself to some of the best role-playing moments between characters when they're arguing about, should we turn it in for the reward? Who is it offering the ward? You shouldn't have this powerful wand. You know, the wand itself becomes you know, this this place where there's a lot of, like, philosophical discussion about what that ownership means and just everything. And, like, and arguing with each other, like, that's too much power. You can't have it. Like, <laughs> I don't want you to have that. I, you know, I mean, I've had people run up and grab and break the wand. And in our most recent one, they let her have it. So now one of the little witches, because all of the characters in my game, by the way, are witches, because uh, if you're familiar with the Bechdel test, um, it's a it's a test to see how much time there are named female characters in any type of work talking about something that isn't a man and Harry Potter, Star Wars, so many of them fail miserably. So this is, so, it's so it's, yeah, it's just all witches. And so, um, anyway so what i'm thinking while you were talking about this is because harry potter spells are basically spells of convenience that maybe i'll make our next session all about delving deeper into wand lore Hmm. having them trying to learn more about it and then having them create and craft more spells that are suited to their characters, both as a way for like character development, but also to give them some more interesting tools and tricks to play with, other than, hey, guess what? I can now yeah. unlock a door. Yeah,
1: yeah. so good. And that's fantastic. Yeah, it's the perfect segue because the next thing we're talking about, which to be honest, we already just been talking about is adventures, and ideas, or the wizard or wizards that you have in the idea that you have that perfect DMGM moment. You don't have to do anything, and they're all talking amongst each other. Uh, and then you're like yeah good now it's my turn to check my phone i'm totally kidding yeah uh but <laughs> but yeah but spell there. book that they've heard of is it is it even i mean that arcane knowledge because mm. there's an element that one is very powerful and you do have that discussion of should our wizard have this? Is it going to turn them down a road? that? Because my first thought is, okay, that's this book. But then is that actually just a phylactery right. now? Because our wizard wants to live forever because they want to seek more knowledge. Okay. Throwing in that moral gray area for your party.
2: Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, what
1: are some interesting ideas for wizard.
2: Well, I think the fundamental question is just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know especially if you really want to tap into magic as a source of personal power and your ability to control and affect the world around you and coming up with the right type of situation where players are suddenly faced with the ability to how do i address this particular situation so thinking about my little witches you know is i need to come up with not hey this is one class Now we're all going to, you guys are going to make stuff up, but giving them some type of problem, whether it's personal or it's one they're all facing together, or hopefully some combination of all of those, you know, giving them some type of of problem where they have to try to figure out their best way to solve it, knowing that you might be giving them as the DM a little bit more power than you think they deserve at this point, but that you're just going to have to work with in (laughs) order to keep them fully engaged and invested
0: giving them more power than they deserve all i can think of in my head is uh ash finding the necronomicon at this point (laughs) and i'm just like oh gosh you just drop a tomb of uh extreme power in front of your wizards who many of which are gonna go like yeah we're all about learning new powers and like Mm -hmm. having them exposed to something that's like, oh man, like Mm -hmm. these are some powerful spells and maybe as the DM you go, yeah. Okay. So mechanically you're not able to cast those spells technically, but you know what? I'm going to let you do it. We're going to roll. We're going to see if like something goes wrong because you don't do it well. Uh, But like, sure, I'll let you cast something at a higher power. And one of the things that I personally love about so many, fantasy lore out there is that there's this idea in a lot of um worlds and universes that there is a cost to magic. Mm-hmm. Uh and certainly you can argue okay, well in, in D D that is the material components and this and that. And because there is that that cost to it. But uh to me, it goes even further to saying if magic done wrong or maybe done too much, um, may even start to to break the world around you, and so yeah,
2: I think that has putting part that of
0: power it. in front of them may be a fantastic thing momentarily, and it may make things go awry. Something that they have to repair afterwards.
2: Yeah, I think that's an important part because you know it's sort of like an innate check on players to make mm-hmm. sure they don't stretch too far. Like, I want the ability to have 3,000 wishes, and then I'm going to root for 3,000 yeah. more wishes, you know? Um, but it, yeah, I love that idea that it has to come with a cost, because especially in my game, too, they're all first year. So there's an 11-year-old witch with Voldemort's wand right now running around in my world, you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, that's a babysitter gone mad right there, let me tell oh, you. Oh, boy. <laughs> well,
1: I, I, I love the idea of what that cost looks mm-hmm. like because one of the things is if it had external source is it a limited source did magic go away did magic break because everyone started using it too much when you summon a creature where in the world is that coming from where in another world is it coming from are you just a monster because you're summoning these creatures without like any moral like thought behind that idea is like i summon a fireball did i take fire away from somewhere else like and like i said putting those costs in and figuring out where that fits for you your world and certainly your players because some players would not appreciate what i all the words <laughs> I said, well but. and then flip the script on it too
0: and go all right so like our like that's our idea of like giving that that thing of power whether it's a wand or a tomb or whatever to to the players and being like yeah are things gonna go right or are things gonna go wrong flip the script and now have the players Uh, be wizards that have studied about the the truths of the universe of how magic, if used wrong or too much, can go wrong. And then they find out about that 11-year-old who's running around with the wand of one of the greatest wizards of all time, and they go, oh, my gosh, we need to find that kid. We need to stop them. Whether it's Shut a kid it or it's a, it's a wizard who's just trying to gain power uh, and go, we we need to protect them. We need to stop this. Or the universe itself may break.
2: Well, and because uh, this was a character that I didn't create, another uh, person did uh, for my previous running. And then this, uh, this new version, uh, this new sessions that I'm running, um, someone else picked it up. But, uh, the witch itself, the witch is a descendant of Morgan Le Fay. Hmm. So you have that sort of like, you know, family heritage and like power source running through too. So I love the idea that she is in danger. I love the idea that they will have to decide, you know, what they're willing to do to, you know, protect their friend, what they're willing to do to take on like these enemies who are approaching. Um, yeah, and they're 11, <laughs> you know, cause every now and then, like when they're talking they're, like when the discussion gets really high level, I'm like, Hey guys, remember you're 11. They're like, Oh yeah, you should totally not have that thing. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. Cause I, there's, it's just, it's really missing that aspect of depletion. It's really missing that aspect of like personal sacrifice personal cost you know it's like you can just keep going like bloop, bloop 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 and you know you're cool so that's interesting
0: i also think that we we should remember when thinking about um adventures for wizards uh with this um academic uh aspect to wizards uh like like we've talked about already with uh harry potter the harry potter universe uh with the magicians universe mm-hmm. um We, I mean, we did a whole episode on schools of wizardry, uh, like specific schools. So we won't go too into depth with that. But the idea of I can learn magic Mm -hmm. definitely creates a world where wizards are going to come together. They're going to build communities. They're going to share knowledge. They're going to uh, try to learn from each other. So whether it's like governments that are run by wizards or schools that are run by wizards, if you have a pc that is part of your group and they are a wizard like you should make these places apparent to them that they're going to want to go and learn and commune with other wizards uh, and see the spells that other wizards are casting and read and share notes uh about lore that they've found on magic or just spells themselves and and to be able to uh learn and be able to teach other wizards that whole communal aspect of wizards I think is really interesting and um, can certainly lead to different adventures whether mm-hmm. it's just uh, yeah your wizard probably wants to um, check out the 12 schools uh, of wizardry that are in this land.
2: Well and there's a book called Carry On it's a young adult uh, novel by Rainbow Rowell, which uh, is, is basically like a fanfic of um, of Harry Potter that she wrote for basically inside of one book and then she wrote it itself as its own book. Um, but the, the main Harry Potter, like wizard in that book, um, is like the guy that comes in and just smashes things up he's the lucky one you know who just happens to have the thing or just happens to do the thing that does it and that's you know the book is kind of an exploration for himself as far as like am i really a wizard because yeah i go and i solve the problem but is it really me and then they realize that every time he goes off he's creating these dead spots where like the magic of those areas just evaporates and goes away and you know thinking about you know that larger sort of like you know i mean this is this is kind of different what you were just talking about schools of knowledge and i'm kind of actually just going back <laughs> to the previous question i guess but um but i just, well i'm thinking um but yeah like as far as you know thinking about like the impact on community, the impact on the world around, the impact as far as like sharing that knowledge, how that knowledge is shared, who controls access to the knowledge? Is there unobtainable knowledge? Is there knowledge no one should know? Hmm. Is there knowledge that should be buried? Can you bury knowledge? Can you really eradicate knowledge? Is it okay to try to, you know, to, you know, keep people from knowing what they could know? I mean, there's so many really good questions that come just from the idea of that collective school of knowledge. And how you want your players to proceed in that.
0: And I am always an advocate for tying campaigns in to each other, Mm -hmm. having there be like a character that'll show up from one campaign to another, whether it's a PC, it used to be a PC and bringing them in. um, I think that players really find that exciting when that happens. So leading from what you just said, Kathleen, I imagine a campaign where you, you go and you're, you're, PCs are trying to stop uh, this object or whatever it is, this power, um, from falling into the wrong hands. And maybe through magical means, uh, at the end of the campaign, you're like, okay, so what do you what do you do to protect this thing? You you've recovered it. What do you do to protect it? Oh, we're we're gonna we're gonna hide it on a whole different plane of existence. We're gonna we're gonna drop it like into the deepest uh, darkest uh, cave uh, on this other plane so that nobody else finds it. But then in the next campaign or the campaign three down the line, however many you get blessed being able to play, when you create a whole bunch of new characters, you start off that campaign with whispers or Mm -hmm. a map, uh, an amazing map that points the direction to this item of power on a whole different plane down the deepest, darkest tunnels of the deepest, darkest cave. And all of your players look at each other and they're like, oh my gosh. Are we going after this? Have we have we now become the ones who are going to start the chaos in the world again as wizards who are going after this terrible piece of power?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too, because at the end of the day, if a very small select group of people have access to a level of power that so many don't, you know... I mean, I think there's fair questions on whether or not they should have that. Should that be contained? Is that something that they should have in general? You know, and I think, hmm, that's interesting. I mean,
1: that made me think, because uh, we we talking about the groups, but again, a group of adventurers, one who happens to be a wizard unlocks a certain level of power. And then that becomes part of the adventure and quest is the idea that, like, the world is not okay. Like, no, 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 You're the person in part shouldn't have this. And what will the party, what lengths will the mm-hmm. party go to either agree, disagree, stop it, help? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ideas behind the idea, a lot of ideas behind a wizard with too much power. That I really
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you want, or if you want to go a lighter route, recognize all these, all these source materials that we've been talking about, like Harry Potter and the magicians. Although magician certainly is less light than Harry Potter. Oh yeah, it was um, dark. but but to go you know what like play play uh play some 15 year olds at a wizarding school and go on a an adventure uh that year at that school that's a fantastic campaign in itself uh it doesn't need to be super world breaking it could be something small uh like that um and that in itself could be fantastic um Mm -hmm. i think this is probably a good point to transition speaking of of a studious campaign like that to to our last um our last topic which is of course homework uh do we have any recommendations for our listeners of uh whether it's books TV shows movies um RPGs to explore uh if they want to dive deeper uh into the wizarding world right where can they go and check out more material on on this
2: idea of a wizard <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, J.K. Rowling has not granted me uh, the license (laughs) to use Harry Potter. Um, I'm working on it, you know, we're we're in negotiations. Um, So it's something that I don't obviously put out there. um, But if it's something that someone's really interested in, that they could certainly share it with me. Or I could, could, you know, share it with them. I'd be, you know, happy to talk about it. Um, In addition... I think especially some of these more, like if people haven't read The Witches, I mean, just I'm basically repeating what we've already mentioned. If they haven't read The Witches, if you haven't read Carry On, um, if you haven't, uh, I would read The Magicians. Honestly, the books are really, really good um, because the the main character is not likable, you know, Um, and but it makes him, I think in my, in my view, a lot more relatable. And I like him a lot more than certainly I like, even I, I don't, I don't really like Harry Potter really, you know, Neville's cool. But. Um, <laughs> so that's what I would say is I, I like looking at um, different pop culture expressions than necessarily something that might be super, super like deep within the geeky sort of world, because especially when, for me, when I'm running games, um, especially for women trying to give them access to playing RPGs that, um, you know, picking source material that they may be more likely to become familiar with has certainly been helpful. I'm not saying that they're not reading Lord of the Rings or any of the other stuff because certainly they are. I'm not necessarily, you know, so I'm just drawing from what I know as well.
0: I think my homework would uh, would be to um, to do what we talked about with um, diving in if you have if you have wizards uh, in your in your gaming group. Uh, to dive in with them and and encourage, um, obviously, don't push a player to do something they don't want to do, mm-hmm. uh, but encourage uh, them to dive into that studious um, academic aspect of uh, their character and maybe work with them to create new spells, new mm-hmm. uh, exciting spells uh, that can can be used in the game uh, to make it more exciting. Yeah.
1: I- I think one of the difficulties with this kind of homework is that there is just so much out there. And I think that that's probably the best thing to yeah. do is to get out there because things that came to mind were like, read the Dresden files, uh, go, go watch um uh, metal alchemist. Mm-hmm. Is that how you want to approach magic in your world? Or um, go watch Sabri- the Sabrina series that's on Netflix right now, like figuring out what that looks like. And I think one of the, the interesting things would be to try and one, Find some piece of media that mimics your group, uh, like Kathleen. You're mentioning the the 11 year olds. So finding source material that is you that is having around the same age, experience, things like that, and at the same time find something completely opposite to try and figure out what works. Like it's really because everything uses some element of magic, even things you wouldn't think would do it. Like oh, go watch um, the movies and great Constantine into the world with Superman, like. Figuring out what, uh, like I said, what works best for you, because it is everywhere.
2: Right. Well, and I think of it, you know, sort of like almost analogous to um, like a dystopia. Dystopia is a world where there's like something has broken. You know and what we see is that you know multiple iterations down the road like this is where they end up the rule breaks this is what happens and it's almost with magic you want to sort of like reverse engineer to that origination point that whatever you break within the rules of what we have um where do you see this going and where would you want it to go or how could you guide it to get it there and i think that um can give you the ability to help players you know develop and plan spells for the future but also um kind of give them a glimpse of what's to come. And that's always fun, too.
1: Perfect. So speaking of plans for the future, Mm. uh, maybe our most important question is, where can people go and find all of the awesome stuff you're doing, Uh, like planning out how they're going to uh, teach game design?
2: yeah well i mean kathleenmercury.com very cleverly named uh it's my website where um i put everything on there mostly it's my game design stuff but i'm trying to put more and more stuff up on there too as far as like the other stuff i do as far as like rpgs and um and all that um so i'm on twitter at mercury with seven m's mercury um on board game geek as funk donut one word and so especially when people are wanting to teach game design i love 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 um helping to collaborate and help people shape and craft their classes for whatever they want to do so it's super fun
0: phenomenal so go check those out uh and kathleen thanks for joining us again on the show and we hope to have you back on sometime in the future
2: anytime this was so fun you know because so often i'm always talking about board games so to be able to like really delve into rpgs especially since i'm running one right now that i need to figure out for sunday this could not have come at a better time
0: wonderful We want to thank Kathleen once again for joining us on the show to talk about wizards, my favorite player class of all. If you have some ideas about lore for wizards, or how to run a wizard as a player, or how to run a wizard NPC as a DM, you can write into us with those ideas at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Send us an email, we'd love to hear from you. If you like this show or our other shows, please feel free to jump on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever podcast app that you are using, and leave us a five-star review. It helps us to spread the show out there to other DMs and people who may become DMs because they listen to us. Uh, That is such an awesome thing when that happens. So please give us a five-star review. Let people know that you like the show. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block, that's at DMsBlock, and you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go for updates about the show. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out other shows like Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, Geek Wars, and more. Well that's it for this episode of the dungeon masters block the place where we come together to talk about the dungeon master the most important person in the game the only person capable of playing god killing characters and of course lowering the egos of all other people at the table i'm your host dm mitch reminding you to always keep on dungeon mastering talk to you soon
1: Goodbye!